me, oh my, do we have a very special podcast to deliver today. Welcome to Rinky Dinking Mid-Season Stars Report and Ice Travaganza, presented by Duncan. So much to discuss and pop off about. Senior scribe for DallasStars.com, Apre Mike Heika has donned the velvet sports jacket for this. Yes, it is in fact that level of special. How are you, Mike? I'm doing great. How about you, Daryl? I'm fine, thank you. It's great to have you <laughs> uh, technologically joining us from uh, whereabouts unknown. I don't feel tardy. Well, you are. And uh, <laughs> the man who puts this pod together chimes in once or twice and gives you all those slick, it's not on a doorknob, still shots of our star's heroes, the uber-talented Jeff Totes. Ready for this, JT? What's up, boys? Just there enjoying this uh, dark and rainy afternoon in beautiful DFW. Oh, my God, it's a good day to drink Duncan, is it not? I love afternoon coffee on days like today. It's a Duncan day. It is. It's a Duncan day, Mike. Seems that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, by the way, am just a color man, and here we go. <laughs> 10, 10, 8. That's the rate. Hold it, hold it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rhyme this out for you. 10, 10, 8. That's the rate. So what do you make? And what do you see as their fate as the second half begins in earnest? Mike? Uh, that's a lot. That's a lot to uh, digest there. Yeah, but I know. I dropped it on you, didn't I? You did. Uh I don't know. I really want to be positive and say, I, I mean, I, I look at this and say, on the ice, they are the better team than Chicago, Columbus, Nashville. Just go out and beat those guys. Beat, you know, get a couple of wins here against Carolina and Tampa, and, and you're in fourth place. And and I think that's about as good as you can hope for right now with those other three teams at 700. Um, and I, do, I think it's doable. I use doable all the time. I think they should be able to accomplish this task. But you watch a game like uh, Sunday and you think, huh, that is just really confusing. I, I mean, I, I'm really confused. Uh, I thought they would win that game. I thought they'd find a way to, to get the two points, and they didn't. And, and I don't know exactly why that is happening so much this year. Yeah, I, I was ready to step out on that uh, sliver of a limb prior to the second game in Detroit and say, man, I – I, I don't even need to squint my eyes. I can see a three-game winning streak coming here right now. I was like, they're going to win this game. They'll win the game at home against the Preds just because they, it was the eighth game of an eight-game road trip for them. It, it was one of those perfect scenarios where they're just waiting for the other team to put them out of their misery and go home. And then I I believe that it's time and they would find a way to beat the defending Stanley Cup champs here in in a day. And it all gets mucked up a little bit. Like I said on my Occam's Razor summation last night, facts are stubborn, statistics more pliable. And the fact is they have 10 wins in 28 games. However, and this is to your point, Mike, points earned in almost two-thirds of the games played. And... Games in hand, baby. Games in hand. So it, it is the first half of this season is just that. It, it's, man, that's not very good. And then it's like, well, it's not so bad. Yeah. And 
there's potential there. They, I was looking today. They have the same points percentage as Arizona, the New York Rangers, and the Vancouver Canucks. And I don't know what those franchises are, are doing and thinking. I know Vancouver's lot in life has changed a little bit. And those teams are a little farther down the road because the stars do have these games to to catch up, but but that's the world that they're that they are living in at at midseason. And yeah, I, off- I think I was going to say ahead. I think the one thing for you know again I always come with the fans. I know it frustrates people that I often mirror the thoughts of the fans. Is that I think Vancouver is a rebuilding team. I think New York is a rebuilding team. I think Arizona they're they're just a little bit weird, but you know they're in that range where they hope for youth. Uh, and the Stars, I think, are built to win now. Now, their kids are playing great, and I do think they're rebuilding while they're trying to win now, but I, I just think the plan has always been let's try to win this season and next. Mm-hmm. And so then then the perspective, I think, becomes a little bit different. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the obvious thing with the Stars in the opening half is who's not playing for them. Correct. That, that yeah. is first and foremost. And and on top of that, not enough consistency and varnish offensively. And too many what you would categorize as quote unquote stoppable goals against at critical junctures in games in which they've lost. Like like not not rancid odorous uh, performances. Just you look and you're like, "Man, that looked like it could have got stopped." Uh, and and it may, maybe it is in a, a shootout, and those are great chances. Yeah. But they're they're not winning in in shootouts, and it's not just on on that end. It's both those things again. It's yep. no varnish offensive offensively on their opportunities, and again they miss some key individuals. I mean, look at Tyler Sagan's career uh, shootout numbers. Like you don't think that would help? <laughs> Yeah. In these shootouts, same thing and with I, I go back to, I know Ben's been hurt a lot, but Ben Bishop's. That's what I mean. Numbers yeah. In everything. Yeah. I mean, he's a 2.17, you know, 920 save percentage guy for his career. I mean, that's helpful. Yeah, I know. I know. So it, again, I, I mean, I can't remember sitting at some point in the season with a 10, 10 and eight record. <laughs> like, no, it's just, we're going to, are we going to get to 10, 10 and 10? Uh, maybe. <laughs> Is that possible? <laughs> I hope so at this point, you know, <laughs> yeah, that's right. right. Get the, get a point, get two points against, against uh, Tampa Bay. You'll be pretty oh, happy. Oh man. So <laughs> anyway, we've, you know, we've, it's interesting on the varnish part, like that shot that Klingberg hit in the post in overtime. That is so this season, like the game would have been over. Just a half an inch, the game's over. And they've done it, I think, two or three times in overtimes where the game would have been over. You would have gotten the extra point. You don't have to go to the shootout. But just not to be. Yeah. Tiddlywinks, hand grenades, horseshoes, right? Yep. And uh, and you're right. I, I mean, and, and they're right. Man, I, I it is the exact same refrain out of most of the games that they've played. Yeah. And you sit there and watch him. I sit there and call him, <laughs> and I can't really argue. But at the same time, it it's happening over and over and over again. And I keep waiting for it to change. And and, and I, maybe the most frustrating part of it too, Mike, is that there are these, there have been these games where they are the other thing. You know, they either get perfect goaltending, or they end up scoring a boatload of goals like 
they went into last night's game and it was basically victory by shutout or blowout. <laughs> That's what I wrote yeah. down. Because they had 10 wins, and they still have 10 wins, but four of those 10 wins are by shutout, and seven are by three goals or more. Yep. So that that's – it's tough to digest. You, you, you can't figure out, okay, is that their potential, or are those situational motivation games, are they – you know, obviously one-offs for the most part because they haven't backed it up that often. But it, it must drive the brass and, and coaches nuts because they're sitting there going, well, it's there. We They've proven it's there. But they can't seem to call it up consistently. Maybe in the second half. And that's where yeah. we're headed, aren't we? Well, and again, we always go with percentages. And uh, as you say, statistics are pliable. Um, I mean, they're, they're a team that is creating offensive chances that are not going in at a rate that I think is consistent with their history. So Jamie Benn should be scoring more goals. Dennis Giryanov should be scoring more goals. Um, you know, even probably Dickinson or Fox uh, or, you know, go down the lineup. There's guys who have been having great chances. Miro should be scoring more goals, you know. And, and so then you think, okay, in the next 28 games, will the numbers even out? Will it bounce out? Yeah. You know, you have to hope it will. I mean, you think it will. You think that numbers typically do that, so. Well, some of that is true, but I look back at the four-year five-on-five goals for trend, <laughs> essentially. And this season they're at about one point – I think they had them at 1.58. And last year, with the the split of Montgomery and, and Bonus, they scored at 1.56. These might not be perfect, but they're close. Yeah. That's what I do. Again, statistics are pliable. And then the year prior, which was Monty's first year, they scored at 1.66, so a slight uptick. And then the year prior to that, Hitch was behind the bench. They scored at one point. And that was with the suck fest down the stretch when they had injuries and, and they weren't – what were they scoring? Two goals a game? Yeah, it was there not late that, that season. And the league average is somewhere around maybe just a, an eyelash under two, somewhere in there. So, like, it, this has been going on for a while uh, yeah. at, at uh, full strength. So, um I, I'm with you, the, though. On I, the flip I, side of that, they're one of the top, what, three teams in the league and not giving up oh my five God. on five goals. Like even, even with what I said earlier about the goals that they're giving up, they, I mean, they came into last night's game, I think they were sixth best in goals against. Yeah. Like sixth. Yeah, and then since 2017, I think they're second to Boston Yeah, in, in five on five goals. Yeah, I mean, which they, is a good they point. Are a, yeah, I mean, they are a great defensive team, but... Well, and they give up. I mean, they gave. Would they give up last night? Twenty-two shots again. Yeah, like they're they're the stingiest team in the league at giving up shots on goal. I, I looked over at the Franks and I, I joked with him when you know when things were looking good. I said, uh, "The key is not Henson Radulov. The key is Como and Cogliano, <laughs> because that is the personality of this team. I mean, yeah. when you get Como and Cogliano back, bingo, you're a good team again. So, yeah." Yeah, I, you know, and you can't, I don't think you can overplay the attrition no. uh, part of it too. Attrition, attrition. We talked about this, unfortunately, when they were in the bubble in the playoffs and they ran out of players. It's the process of, is it process or process? What do you say? 
I'm I say American process, now. but Canadians typically say process with their open. Do they? I've, I've heard it that way. And the, the new process. Mazda Miata. <laughs> Madano. The process <laughs> of gradually reducing the strength or effectiveness of someone or something through sustained attack or pressure. That's what attrition is. Yep. And they lost two guys within the game last night doing what is sort of their bailiwick. It's, it's what, what makes them such a, a likable bunch. They'll sacrifice their body to make sure they don't get scored on. Yeah. You know, Fox and Kiviranta both left the game, it looked like, because of shot blocks. Yep. Uh, so Reddick, Reddick got two. The first one he shook off. The second one he's going, oh, no, that one hurt. Yeah, two different parts of his body, lower and upper. <laughs> I don't, what's he out with, lower or upper? It's it's, it's a o- overall, all yeah, over body general. injury. Yeah, That's general what we wanted to go injury. with year, years ago when things were not going well and they weren't going to make the playoffs. Out with general malaise. <laughs> so the second half is here, and it, it begins uh, immediately. And I want to say that they are going to peel off some sort of win streak, and that coupled with a continued – Blackhawks collapse, they're not getting the goaltending they were, then the the Stars are going to catch them by mm, mid-April. I want to, but these dang injuries. Like, like you look at look at what they trotted out last night. And I know Nashville was, was just as buckled with, you know, high-grade individuals not playing. But, I mean, it's just, they started off with no hints, Radulov, Pesek, Sagan, Bishop, Johns. <laughs> and then the and then you add Foxa and Kiviranta to that during the game. Like it's just I, here. Here's a reminder too. How about this? If the stars were a hundred percent healthy, I think it's a good time to remind ourselves of what this is supposed to look like, not what they're cobbling together on a game in and game out basis. So I might not have these combinations perfect, but. It'd be some combination of this. Ben Hintz, Sagan. Robertson, Pavelski, Radulov. Cogliano, Fox, Como, Kiviranta, Dickinson, Gurionov. Lindell, Klingberg, Alexiak, Haskinen, Sekera, Johns. Bishop and Hadobin. Sounds pretty good to me. It's a pretty good team. <laughs> pretty good team. Yeah, I've heard people say that, you know, what they did in the uh, playoffs was a fluke, and, and, and I don't believe that, simply because those were some good teams. I mean, the Vegas Golden Knights, you're seeing them now. They're a good team. Colorado is a good team, and so that was the Stars, you know, even with a couple of those same injuries, that was what they are. That You know, when they were hitting and going in the earlier rounds, you saw what the potential is for this team, and and, you know, just adding Sagan to the power play, to, you know, the team scoring, it would just make so much difference. And then you it's slide weird. other people into different positions. It's weird, though. Like, here at midseason, I looked, even with all the guys that have been out in Tyler and Ben Bishop on the penalty-killing side, they rank exactly the same they did at the end of last season on both power play and penalty kill. Huh. <laughs> Now the percentage might be a little bit different, but their rank in the league is the same. Yeah. So that's weird. I I know it's it is it's there's a lot of weirdness that's gone on, but I I just the other day had to jot down. Okay, what what is this supposed to look like? 
What what is it supposed to look like? And look, every single team is dealing with with injuries and just worn out players at this point in the season. In this season, with these games coming this quick, and uh, but it's, some teams are are more affected than others, and Stars are certainly one of those teams. So yeah, on the good side of all that, there you have seen from. Obviously, Jason Robertson, but guys like Delandria or Rhett mm-hmm. Gardner or Hanley, you know, um, you know, or the Hudobin Ottinger with with Ben out. I mean, there is some good depth in this organization, and and it can carry them to a place where, fingers crossed. What if they actually? What if Sagan and Bishop both came back and they are good, and you can you know you can nurse Radulov and Hints along. You know, I know they'd have to play the number one seed in the in the division, which is probably going to be pretty good. But boy, that would be a fun team to watch if if those guys could get healthy. How about this for a wild curveball idea? You just you just shut down both Radulov and Hints, and get them to fix whatever's wrong with them, or let it heal, or whatever. And you just play kids, and you basically say this is not going to happen for us this year. And then you get a really good draft pick, and then you come back with a vengeance next year with everyone in a full building. Ooh. Ooh. No, the problem is convincing Ooh. the players and the coaches that you're going to do that. Players, coaches, ownership, everybody. Yeah. Yeah, no, they you're, you're – They don't you're, like that idea. <laughs> nobody does. Come on. I'm just <laughs> throwing the garbage out there. The I know. Wall. But, hey, it's talked about. But what you said is that's one of my – uh, little little silver linings for this season is the idea that it, at least these guys that would not even be playing here are getting trial by fire, and, and you know most of them I think are getting better and more comfortable. Yeah. They're still. I thought Jason Robertson was mistakes. great last night. Yeah, he was. He, he really he re- was. He like the plays. puck was just following him around, and you know you just noticed him, and you're just like that kid is a really good player. Mike, the puck is an inanimate object. It doesn't follow people around. It's no, he, like it had its eyes on Jason Roberts. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, maybe I'm wrong. Never followed me, my glove, I can tell you that. <laughs> uh, hey, you know, uh, I want to remind everyone that Duncan Sweet Cold Foam is the perfect top to the perfect Duncan Cold Brew. Uh, DD Perks members can try a medium cold brew beverage for only $3. Three bucks, Mike. The steal. Yeah. A reminder that Dallas Stars run on Duncan. Price and participation may vary. Coffee, coffee, coffee. I told you. Huh? Hey, a quick quick thought on the Stars who finally debuted their second new look. They broke out the blackouts early on, and we finally saw the reverse retros. I have... I'm torn on what I... I mean, they're known as the reverse retros. Everyone has them. I'm trying to dub them the Ghosts of 99. Cause that I like was, that. that was the jersey that they that they are, are remnants of or built off of or however you state that. But the other one I have going on is the Spearmint Hazmats. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I say that in the nicest way. <laughs> I like that one. Spearman hazmat. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mm, 
I don't know if they'll be thrilled with that one, but it, <laughs> it came to me. We know it came to me when I was looking at the still shots from one Jeff Totes. Uh, they, they're spectacular, by the way. Thank you. And there, there are a lot of people that, I mean, look, it's radically different than anything we usually see in, in our sport. And yes, we're well aware that the ice is white and the boards are white. And then you put the players in mostly white uniforms with white pants and white gloves and white helmets. Uh, it's going to be a little, a little weird at first. And maybe on television, it, it gets smothered a little bit. There's too much camouflage going on. I don't know. I don't agree. I thought, I thought they looked great. Uh, but the still shots are spectacular. And any time you had the victory green uh, tarps in the background, yeah, to, to to give it a little depth like that, and then you had the then you had the spearmint hazmats going on in the in the foreground. Wow! Yeah, it popped. Yes. I, what I like about TV is you're in the player's face. Like we don't get to be in the player's face when we're in the arena, right? But you look up on the screen and you do get that. You get. Like you get the detail of those uniforms. Yeah. You see the silver and you see everything. Mm. And so what you know, when you got your 70 inch HD TV now and you got oh, you know the green you. background and <laughs> you know, you're living the high life, you're sitting wow. out on your patio drinking your mint juleps. If only I could be a senior writer for DallasStars.com. <laughs> it really it, juice. I was surprised. It looked really good. Oh, when I'm looking so up clean. on the monitor, so they really clean. are. Yeah, and then you, I'm watching the highlights the next day at home. And I'm going like, that really looks great. Yes, that you know the ones that look horrible are the anything with gray, like yes. the, like oh yeah, like real gray. Like, yeah, and the there's sharks. so many teams that oh. have it. Like the Leafs have it, the Sharks have it, Jets. Who, who, Awful. Yeah, the Jets. Uh, isn't one of the Hartford ones gray or whatever? Probably. Those are awful. Hartford. You You're not in the league about. anymore, Mike. You know what I'm talking about. The Carolina yeah. reverse Hartford yeah. retro gray yeah. awful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I like them. I, I think it's a great set. I think people should buy the entire set. How's that? <laughs> it is. I will say we have this. five of them now. Buy them all. <laughs> <laughs> I will say watching teams like Oregon or Texas Tech or TCU, you know, who change their football uniforms every week. Uh, there is something to it that you're like, okay, I like this one. I don't like this one. You know, it's just like wearing a different outfit every game. It's kind of nice. Or in your case, wearing the same outfit to every game, yeah, right, Mike? I, I've been changing up. Even uh, Brent Severin commented that he didn't know how many different colored uh, sweater vests I had because I had a different <laughs> one the other day. <laughs> he goes, that's uh, a new one, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, you're a good sport. You're a good sport with uh, many good sports coats. There you Indeed. go. Indeed. Not a lot of people can rock velvet and corduroy, but you can. <laughs> so, He's Ghost of 99, Spearman Hazmats, whatever we're going with. I think they look awesome. Uh, switching gears, and on a sad, sad note, uh, there was that news out of Russia that the 19-year-old captain of uh, the team in Moscow, uh, or in St. Petersburg, yeah, Dynamo, uh, Timur Fazadinov died after being struck by the puck uh, in a game. And the Russian players were wearing the number 77. That's what uh, he wore, those stickers on the weekend. I'm I'm a little bit surprised everyone didn't put them on, aren't you? Yeah. Like, I, I was just like, 
I mean, it was a terrific tribute, but it, it, I mean, anyway. I think they, I, I like the fact that there is national pride in the NHL because there are so many different countries. But at moments like this, there should be league pride. And well, it's just I'm, the sport. I'm with you. Yeah, it's sport. sport. Pride. Yeah, like it. it just awful news. Did you did you watch when he got hit? Like it's one of those plays that happens all the time. Right? Yep. You know, a guy's dumping the puck in. He didn't see him doing it. Skated into the lane, took the uh, puck in the head, and and that was it. And a reminder of that awful incident in Columbus years ago with Espen Knutson. And yep. th- this predated obviously the netting that went up. It prompted that introduction of protective net netting uh at the end zones and that young girl uh that passed away and also uh, bill masterton it was 1968 at the met center the north stars and oakland seals and he was in a collision on the ice and not wearing a helmet not many did back then he fell smacked his head on the ice andre boudria who was in the game said it sounded like a wooden bat hitting a ball. Oh. That's how hard he hit the ice. And suffered severe swelling of the brain. They couldn't operate uh, because of the swelling. And two days later, his parents removed him from life support, and he was dead at age 29. And uh, Masterton remains the only player in league history to die directly from an injury suffered in a game. And his memory is honored with the Masterton Trophy. His number is retired by the organization. Uh, the award goes to the player best exemplifying the qualities of sportsmanship and perseverance. And the star Stephen Johns was a, a finalist last year for it. But uh, I mean, that was a long time ago. And, and, you know, thank God this doesn't happen that often. I mean, every time it does, something like this does happen, anybody even getting injured from flying pucks um, throws me, but, to have this young guy with his whole life ahead of him uh, pass away because of an accident in a game with a puck that gets fired pretty hard, just crappy, crappy news. So, yeah. And I mean, it, it does remind you just how dangerous a game can be where, Oh my God. You know, Doesn't I mean, the, it the rich, the rich Peverly moment, the, you know, yeah. uh, getting cut in the neck with a skate blade. I mean, there's just, there's been moments where you're just like, Oh my gosh, this is, it's really frightening. You, you, you really, don't appreciate how dangerous it can be at times yeah 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 sad sad stuff and i know it it affected the russian players a lot obviously yeah with it being back home on a sunnier note uh but staying with the awards theme it's mid-season so you know what that means don't you mike i do awards well, it means an easy segment for the podcast. <laughs> I thought we were going to. A, I thought we were going to another Duncan break. Uh, no, well, we can. You can get your cold brew if you want. Uh, but yes, it's uh, it's midseason awards time, and here is your host for midseason awards on Rinky Dinking, Jeff Totes. Thank you, everybody. I really appreciate that. <laughs> wow. Um, <laughs> rousing ovation it wasn't it though uh one fun fact our listeners might not know and and first off welcome everybody to the dinkies um one thing you might not know is this is actually the third annual dinkies uh in the past this has just been a untelevised event on the back of the floater bus 
But this year, we decided to clean up the language and bring it to you, the listener. So this is the first uh, first dinkies that's ever been semi-broadcasted here. So welcome. That's what they're, they're called, the dinkies, aren't the they? The dinkies. Okay, yep. sure. It had been such an informal event before now, but mm-hmm. here we are, mm-hmm. and uh, trophies will be mailed out shortly after the ceremony. So first category we have in the dinkies uh, speaks to both the writer and the broadcaster for what is your favorite moment of the first half of this star season. Do you want me to go first, Mike? Yeah, go ahead, Darren. Okay, well, mine was opening night. And, and because they would played so much hockey, so much memorable hockey in the bubble in front of no one, and they, they got to actually play in front of Stars fans. Not a ton of them, but in front of Stars fans. And the ovation for both Bonus and Hadobin I thought was fantastic. Like it was, they've been waiting so long to shower their appreciation on those two and everybody, but especially those two for what they had done uh, for the uh, franchise, for everyone's spirit uh, in that run in Edmonton in the bubble. And then they go out and they throttle their divisional rival, Seven Cobb. So uh, that was my that was my highlight at the very beginning. Yeah, I'm going to go with you the same night. I know that's stealing Quit your copying thunder. me. Come that's on. not how it works. <laughs> well, but for a different reason. All right. Uh, we had been waiting for so long to get to that moment. And and I, you know, I had a little bit of doubt. as What are they going to do? What You know, how is this going to affect them? And then when they just started flinging the puck around, those were some pretty goals. Mm-hmm. Uh, Radulov, I think, had the one-timer, didn't he? Uh, I mean, it was just boom, boom, boom. Giryanov had one, and you're just like, this season's going to be okay. Um, you know, you like all the the doubt that hey, maybe they weren't good enough. You know, to to repeat what they did in the bubble for one night, you're just like, whoa. Uh, I always tell you when Kivy Ranta scored the uh, overtime winner, I laughed out loud. When I was there in the second period, I'm there just laughing, doing that. Holy cow! I can't believe this is happening. Moment. And that, to me, was my favorite moment. I loved all the, the preview up to it, but, but just the puck going in the net that much in the second period there, oh, it was fantastic. Yeah, and, and maybe we we overlook or forget a little bit about the fact that they were delayed into the season and they had to right. deal with 17 guys with COVID. <laughs> like, there, there was a lot going on back yeah. then. And then they, they – you're right. They came out and was like, what is this going to look like? Are they going to get smoked or – and it was it, it it couldn't have been more perfect. The only way it could have been better is if there was eighteen thousand five hundred stars yes. fans in there. Yep. That, yeah. that is the only way it could have been a better start to this campaign. So yeah. that easily favorite moment. I don't know who the award goes to or the actual trophy. Yeah, I think I'll just go ahead and uh, mail it to Rick Bonus, okay, uh, the beautiful. Dinky for the for opening night as the favorite okay. moment of the season so far. All right. uh, our second category, obviously a lot of expectations heading into this season, and now we're at the point where we can evaluate how individuals have matched up to those. Who is your surprise performance so far this year? Go ahead, Mike. Uh, I'm going with Jason Robertson. I hope I didn't steal this one from you, but uh, I had no Hold expectation it. of he being that good. I'm, I'm confused. Surprise performance. Yes. Or performer. Oh, performance? Like in a game? I was I, I assumed it was surprise performance 
by an individual, like picking oh. a player. Well, don't assume anything. You know the rule on that. Well, it's, See, it's I, a very open I category. That, yeah, I went that way on the on All right, just you do whatever what you want. Rob- yeah. <laughs> but Jason Robertson, I, I just, you know, we've watched him. He gets criticized for his skating. Uh, his scoring has come and gone in different places. Uh, but like I said, I'm watching him last night going like, this is a good hockey player. And he's done it consistently in every challenge that he's been given by the coaching staff. He stepped up. I, I even think he's, he's a much better defensive player uh, just in 20 games. Uh, so I, I just love the kid. I think he's been fantastic. There's nothing more misguided to me than the knock on, on guys who have supreme hockey IQ and skills. And the, and the knock on them is they can't skate. I, I've always hated that. I've played with yeah. guys that, that don't motor around the rink like Connor McDavid. But the the argument was always, hey, look, if there's a loose puck and there's a race to it in a in a short period of time and there's going to be a chance to score or set someone up off of it, I bet you they get to it first and make a play. Yeah. You know, Rob Brown, who I played junior hockey with, uh, you know, scored 50 along with Mario in, in uh, Pittsburgh. Like, he was like, it was the same thing. You know, he, he was a chunky skater. But, man, he could think the game and he, a brilliant offensive uh, player. Uh, well, Patrick Maroon, star's nemesis. I, I remember Bruce Boudreau telling me the only thing keeping Pat Maroon, this was back w- when he was with Anaheim, only thing keeping Pat Maroon from being an absolute superstar in this league is that his pace, pace of play, his skating, isn't at the level of some others. But he still finds a way to get s- something done. He's a back-to-back Stanley Cup winner. So, yeah, I, I, I've never liked that knock. I think they can – and they do. They work on it. You know, you got to get a little better. It's got to be – you got to be able to pass. You know, you, you can't fail at skating in a sport that asks you to skate. Uh, but the idea that that's going to be some major knock, it's going to hold you back from your potential, I, I don't know about that. And I, I agree. He's, I think he's been, he's been fantastic, especially after getting sat down for a bit it was not going well he wasn't getting anything done and then they sat him out for a little bit told him to watch comes back in it's like ai man he's learning getting it done (laughs) i took it a different direction my my surprise performance was uh game five of the regular season uh the stars were looked like they were gonna go 56 and oh uh i think your old buddy and my old friend poison pen uh, Tim Kalashaw put out in all cap letters too, I think on Twitter, something about stars are unbeaten in January. <laughs> it's January and the stars are un- unbeaten. Uh, but th- they were uh, until January 30th when they went to Carolina and what a mess that was. That was a, that rotting garbage game in Raleigh where they set a new franchise low for shots. On- they had 11 shots on goal in the game, Mike. Yes. 11. And the Canes power play went three for five. All four goaltenders that dressed for the game were used. And they got pumped four to one. There were, I mean, there was like, I don't know, a dozen power plays in the game. And I remember the, the breakdown from, from Bones after the game was basically nobody was good. There wasn't one good player. And he was right. Like, there's not yeah. very many nights in this sport where you look and there's 18 players and two goaltenders. Now, in fairness to Ottinger, he came in and mopped up and didn't give up a goal, did he? 
I don't think he did. Yeah, no, I think yeah, I think you had a clean sheet. I think all of his clean his uh, yeah, relief yeah. appearances. He's yeah. So he's excluded from it. But the the other nineteen guys that dressed all were were terrible that night. Like they were just all collectively awful. So that to me that's that shocked me because they were four and zero oh, and it was rolling and here was a chance to go in uh, against a team that's good like a, a really good team because they had played Nashville who were trying to figure out what they are and obviously Detroit and they had a bunch of guys in COVID protocol at the time and now here comes the Canes and man they just face planted there so that that, that shocked me um, and they picked themselves up off the ground and got got better the next outing but uh, and then improved as they moved along but that one just stunned me five games in so the dinky goes to Rod Brindamore uh, I'm going to mail it to, to Jason Robertson. I'm going to take yours on that one. <laughs> but uh, I appreciate both those answers. All right. So third category. Next, next category. So far this season, a lot of heroes. Who's the unsung hero, someone who de- deserves more credit for their efforts in this first half of the season? Hmm. Mike's going to pick a real esoteric one. I, I can feel it. <laughs> I'm going to go with the kid, Jake Ottinger, because he was not supposed to be playing as much as he did in the first half. And, I mean, it, could you imagine if if he couldn't play at this level? Oh, my. Where they would be and, at? And, we again, in that in those, you know, those weeks before the season started and we're all pondering what problems this team could have, you know, I, I think we all looked at each other and goes, what if Jake Ottinger is not good? Yeah. And, and he, I mean, there was a chance he could have, you know. And he has been great. Yeah, he's played well and and in some tough spots too. Like the, what you'd like to do with a rookie goaltender who hasn't had a ton of pro experience in that, and you're in this situation where you've got an injury to your number one, is just use him judiciously and sparingly, right? Like yeah. here's a good spot for him, and we can protect him a little better in this one and certainly not going to play him in that one. But that has not been a luxury that they've had in the first half, so the kid's played. And he's earned more starts. And he's, as I've mentioned many times, check boxes. Like you, you sit there and you're like, okay, well, you know, he hasn't done this yet. He can't win in overtime. Then he wins in overtime. Well, he faces a penalty shot, stops a penalty shot, key juncture of a game. He uh, gets a shutout. He's like it's just one thing after another. Now, yeah. is there room for improvement? Obviously, uh, you know, and he's going to get better and better and better. Uh, but for him to come in, because you are a little bit when when you get thrown in as a young goaltender into whether it's just one game, you know, you get called up from the minors and it's like, okay, you're starting, and you can either sink or swim, and sometimes that ends up being the only opportunity you get. And that's your memory, and I, I just love guys that can seize the moment and uh, execute under, you know, real tough circumstances, and the kid's done it. So yeah. uh, I, he's my unsung hero from the first half. Yeah, just on that note, I look back at Marty Turco or Manny Fernandez or Mike Smith or Dan Ellis, and they were playing for good teams that had good records, and if they had a bad game, they just sat. And then they came back, and then they played well. And uh, was it Mike Smith? I think had like was like nine and two one year, or maybe that was Turek or whatever. Where they just they won because the team played accordingly. They they could support a backup goalie, and Jake hasn't had that that 
pillow, that cushion. Well, you say that, but then again, they scored eight goals a game for him there. For, yeah. <laughs> in the early there, going, yeah. like you could you could have a three point five goals against average and win every game the way they were yeah. going offensively. But I know what you're saying. The other yeah. thing though is that all those guys you mentioned had time to apprentice in in the American Hockey League, and then you're right, eased in a little bit. Yep. At this level, uh, and he was just basically it's the old. Uh, swimming lesson where you just take the kids out to the middle of the lake in a boat and dump them in and the ones that get back to shore are swimmers the ones that don't well yeah. Yeah. socks kids yeah it happens i'll go quickly to my esoteric pick uh he might be my favorite player on the team i love radic foxa uh you look down he's winning 57 percent of his face-offs uh he's he just he has an edge physically that i think they need and I just like him. I don't know why he, to me, he's, you know, he's an old school hockey player mm. playing in a new school game. Mm-hmm. He's a good choice. So, you know, and he started off not very well coming off of a broken wrist in the playoffs. Yeah. And it was affecting his face-offs. It was weird for him not to be able to win draws for like the first week. And he's fixed that as you would suspect he would. And he's the best face-off guy on the team now percentage wise and scores those goals. You're right in right in the heart of the slot in the other team zone. And there's a battle going on and uh, he's in it. Uh, he's the heart of that FCC line. Yeah. Good choice. I hope he's not, I hope he's not out of the lineup for a long time <laughs> here at mid season though. Yeah. They need him. They'll be down one unsung hero uh, <laughs> looking for another. So I'll uh, I'll accept both those answers. My oh, it's a is it double trophy on that one? Yeah, we'll mail out to both Jake Ottinger and Radic Foxa. That's beautiful. Uh, my pick for the unsung hero of the first half is video conferencing technology. I think we've had to utilize a lot of Zoom and FaceTime, and I can't imagine going through this season. And I know, especially Heike and the people in your role, I can't imagine going through this season without that capability. So. I'm going to give it to video conferencing technology, which brings us to our next category. Where are you going to mail that to? I'm actually going to Silicon hang on to that. Valley? I'm going to hang on to that trophy. I'm oh, going to, okay. I'm going to wow. claim that technology. Oh, so you're decorating, <laughs> are you? <laughs> um, which brings us to the Zoom Pro of the year so far. Mm, who you well, how about think, that category? Who you think is giving the best Zoom interviews thus far in the season? Um, if you really are enjoying someone's questions, you could give it to a media member, but uh, that, oh my God. that would I not be the right I, answer. I have some no. thoughts on that, but I'd better keep them to myself. <laughs> that would not be an acceptable answer. So okay. let's, uh, let's hear your, your player picks. Okay, Mike, you do, you do way more of this uh, than, <laughs> than me. I've, I've, uh, I've gone with text messaging more than I have asking questions on Zoom <laughs> when I have an inquiry. So uh, who's who's your guy? <laughs> they're and look, they're awful. Like yeah. they're they're impossible, yep. right? Yep. I'm gonna waver a little bit and cheat, maybe. Do it. But I think Rick Bonus has done a a wonderful job. Oh my job god, Mike! Of, no, no, don't do no, that. No, disallowed. Disallowed. That's disallowed. Right. He, he talks every day. He sends it out to half court. Okay, I can't. And do he that is great. One. Next look, answer. He's, well, he's and again, I, like I, he gets mad at me, and that's fine. I, you know, because I, I ask. I, I was talking to somebody the other day, and they said, "Why does he get mad?" And I said, "I ask why," and he doesn't have an answer for why. You, you and, know what? 
If there's an award, though, for most improved question asker, <laughs> is there one of those, Totsi, in this? I think we're going to add that category. Okay. That. You, you're winning it in a landslide. It's right? Thank you for your guidance, Daryl. Uh, really there there to- are other I'll, – I'll say this. I'm not <laughs> going to point fingers at anyone. There are other media members who could learn the lesson that you've learned. I agree. I'm just saying. All right, then I'll go with Joe Pavelski. Um, even at very difficult times – he gives you answers that you can use in your stories that mm-hmm. fans can sit there and say, well, that makes sense. And it's not easy. All you got to do is watch Jamie to know that it's not easy to come out there after a loss <laughs> and answer our stupid questions. <laughs> I know. Uh, and Joe Pavelski does a great job of it. Yeah. Something about the Joes. Joe Noondike was like that back in the day, yeah. too. Uh, we used to call him the perfect soundbite because we, we needed him to answer the question in 20 seconds so we could fit it into our show. And we would sit there and we'd ask him five questions and they were all answered between 18 and 25 seconds. Yeah. Everyone, one after another, after another. Cornell education, I guess. <laughs> Maybe they teach him well up at whiskey as well with Pav. He, uh, the other thing about Pavelski on Zoom is his voice, his, his voice is like a, a warm blanket too. It calms yeah. me down when I listen yeah. to him answer. I'm just like, oh, yeah. Of course. Yeah, salient point. And then uh, and then we move on to other things. So that's a good choice. I like that. There you go. All right. Uh, I should probably just abstain uh, from this because I don't ask any questions on Zoom. I just watch. You just I'm criticize the questions that are asked. Yes. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm the biggest critic going. <laughs> Love it. Uh, on those, and mostly on, on the questions that are being asked. You know who asks good questions too? Is Saad. Yeah. Saad asks good questions. I, I like yep. having those guys that, that aren't day to day or haven't been year to year beat writers. And, you know, you don't want him to be too outside the box with him. But he does ask questions that are just like, that's a good question. Yeah. You know, I, Make, I don't it know makes whether the they, guy think. Yeah. I don't know whether they appreciate him on the other side or not, <laughs> but. Uh, but yeah, he's he's he asks pretty good questions. I'm trying to think of other. You know who uh, Blake Como when he does come on there answers well yes. as well. Uh, those vet, just veteran guys, right? I always like Jason Dickinson's interviews. He's very thoughtful. Yeah, he's another one that answers with more than just cliches. But that's regardless of Zoom. That's just in general interviews. I, and I'll say this: I've been very impressed by the young guys maybe they're just more used to this and and uh comfortable with it they don't re- really like to relate to other people face to face that's <laughs> right totsi that's you guys are probably it, just yeah. a text and it's probably accurate uh, facetime so uh but when you listen to whether it's ottinger or delandria or uh jason robertson they like they're they're not like just you know deer caught in a headlight uh, blurt out a bunch of words whether they fit together in a sentence or not and then it ends uh you know the 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 scandinavians uh they're going to be at the bottom of the list and i don't blame <laughs> them they don't really want to do it and they're, they're tough and they're short answers and what have you but uh i would say the kids have been pretty good too there you go. The future looks bright for for the Zoom call. 
<laughs> Zoom, our Zoom calls of the future. Wonderful. Yes. That's funny that you say deer caught in the headlights because do you guys remember Jason Robertson's first postgame interview after his uh, NHL debut? No. It, it's mm-hmm. awesome. And I encourage people to go back and watch it. It's just he, he's giddy. He's deer caught in the headlights, but he's giddy and so excited <laughs> about the day. And like he's like trying to communicate just like all his feelings. And it's, it's awesome. It's very genuine. And yeah. I remember talking to Matt DeFranks right after and him being like, this was this such better video than writing because the quotes aren't great. But when you watch the video, you just see him being so overwhelmed talking about that moment. It's a, it's an awesome interview. Um, Good. I'm going to go, I'm going to go find that. Yeah. Uh, and so then seeing how this year he's very, very composed, articulate, just speaks like a veteran. Honestly, it's, it's great. Yeah. yeah. All the young guys are phenomenal. Thank God there wasn't a truck moving toward him. We wouldn't have Jason Robertson. <laughs> The uh, the other issue I have with Zoom though is wh- why is it so blurry? Why is it so blurry? Why why can we not have like eight K Zoom? You got it on your phone, right? Yeah, but then you <laughs> I mean, when you when you watch it on any any broadcast in that, yep, it it looks like it's back in like the late nineties with uh you know just standard definition, and it's funny because just like. A year ago, or just slightly more than a year ago, trying to air footage of that quality would be like, oh, we're not going to show it. We'll show a still image with the audio under it. Exactly. And now it's just, that's such an accepted part of broadcasting. Yeah, the standards have gone into the sewer. (laughs) Just plummeted. (laughs) They really have. But uh, Uh, speaking of which, that brings us to our last category. Oh, there's another category? There is the final, and that is um, first half MVP. Most valuable player of the first half of the season. Slammed. Oh, thanks for explaining that, too. In case you were wondering. (laughs) That that really does help. Uh, This is a slam dunk. It's Joe Pavelski. Yep. Most valuable Pavelski. I I ferreted this one out. I was pretty proud of myself. Maybe it was an old nugget. I don't know. But I was looking in between. And this was back-to-back games. Who's the the hero warrior now, huh? Razor is. That's who is. (laughs) So... They play the game in Detroit. They win. Joe doesn't have a goal or an assist, no points. And I'm thinking to myself, uh, saying, Razor, is that the first time the Stars have won this season when Joe hasn't figured in the scoring? So I go through all the numbers. You know what? That wasn't the first time. Once this year. One time the Stars have won a game when Pavelski doesn't hit the score sheet. MVP. It's a great nugget. And I look at how the, like, Ty Delandria talks about he, Joe is taking time to teach him how to tip pucks and just having that, all that savvy. And like you say, th- that warm blanket voice of, you know, just his yeah. whole personality is that way. And then you look at yeah. this group of youngsters and you're just like, every single one of them is soaking that up. And so in addition to his amazing points and his power play acumen, I really think he may be the best thing in that locker room right now, uh, or dressing room, as as uh, Razor likes to say. Yeah, there's no uh, lock- or the practice ice, or the game ice, or the post game, or whatever they're doing. He just seems like a guy who's helping a lot of people. The you know how doctors have a bedside manner. Mm-hmm. That with with Joe, you could say he has a he has a net side manner with yeah. these young guys, <laughs> and he he's able to nurture them a little bit. At the same time, he understands that. You know, he's got to do his thing, too. And he hasn't moved into coaching. He's the, the top scorer on this team. I mean, we're halfway through the year. He's been leading the NHL in power play goals the entirety. 
and uh, up there with the you know leaders in the in the league in in points for the most part. It's tailed a little bit here lately, but um, yeah, I mean you couldn't you you could not ask for more. You could not get more. I don't think from Joe Pavelski than what you've received in the first half of the season. So yeah, he's the MVP. You're my MVP though, Totes, on this podcast. Thank you guys. And that's yeah. uh wait, Mike, did you have an answer for that? Uh, it was it was Pavelski. Yeah, that's a clear cut choice. Yeah. So and like I said, it, for as much as what he's done on the ice as what he's done off. Is he a is he a double winner of the Dinkies? <laughs> two, the first, two dinks. first ever two time Dinky Award winner. Yeah. That's well, exciting. I'll let him know. Yeah, I'm sure he's gonna be elated. Can you imagine? <laughs> he will be thrilled. Get a picture though with the quads out uh, when you do. <laughs> All right, if uh, okay, yeah, if we have like a favorite ongoing gag of the season, it's yeah, definitely okay. that. Yes. Okay, you're you're taking that picture. Yep. Or no? Yep, that's me. Okay, that's my photography. Okay, take us take us behind the curtain a little bit. How is this unfolding? And it, then we'll get out of here. Well, it's been it's been funny because the puck pictures, and I wish we'd been doing it from the start because we've had an unusual number of puck pictures so far this season. And it's always been like a funny grouping of guys. Usually we'll get the other people involved in the goal and maybe a rando from the locker room will jump in. And the, the pictures have been funny, but then that one with Como was the first one where he was <laughs> summoned for the picture directly off the training room table. And he came exactly as is and <laughs> where they're back there working the lactic acid under the quads. Right. right. And I, yeah. I triple checked with him. I was like, all right, well, here's the photo. We're going to post it. And everyone was just laughing and they're like, that's great. And so it was subsequently recreated by Pavelski. And then, um, I'm sure it would have been the case last night had it been a win, but, uh, hopefully there's more of those in the future. Cause it's a funny, funny little trend. And I think I have it right at that. Uh, this was the, the impetus for these these group pictures was Joe was Pavelski, who said, "I wished I had more of these from when I was younger." Yeah, yeah, he said, "Yeah, exactly." And then it's so funny. Someone, I think, someone on Twitter said, "Rhett Gardner's parents work uh, so hard, take him to practice his whole life, sinking all this time into his hockey career, and this is the picture that goes on their mantle." And it's. <laughs> Half clothed Joe Pavelski with him. It's just awesome. <laughs> I think that's such a such a worthy keepsake of your it first is. NHL point. It, it's it's fantastic. I, I love it. Even uh, I I think uh, Nashville was asking for the the they were looking forward. Yeah, to they, the picture. they were in watch. on the joke too. <laughs> yeah, they wanted the five picture. <laughs> yeah, so that's a bummer. We didn't get another edition last night, uh, but uh, hopefully there's another before the end of the year. All right. Well, hey, the music is starting to play us off here. I I believe so. We'll have to cut any further acceptance speech hooey out of it here now in the midseason dinkies. That was an excellent hosting job. Thank you, guys. I'll see you yeah. back for the four, fourth edition next year. Fourth edition. Fourth annual. Totes is so multi-talented. Mike, I'd like to thank you for taking time uh, out of your mountain getaway <laughs> to join us here today and be a part of this. You really added a lot. <laughs> Anything for the fans. I know. You're all about the fans, which is beautiful. We're, hey, there's no reason for us without the fans. That's you true. You get that, right? I do. Like, Could you imagine if you were just writing your articles for me and I was broadcasting for you? <laughs> It'd be pretty dumb. It wouldn't be fun. Pretty dumb. Uh, anyway, thanks to you, Jeff. Also, a big thanks to Duncan, of course. Uh, and, hey, in the spirit of what we were just talking about, of course, thank Thanks to all of you out there for listening. Because without it, 
it's just a bunch of complicated airflow without a target, right? Yeah. So bye for now. Bye for now, everyone. Uh, congratulations to all the midseason winners, and we'll talk to you in the second half. <laughs> <laughs>